listening to the Fable 411 podcast produced by the City of Fable, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services we provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep our city moving. I'm Gavin McRoberts. And I'm Sherry Kropp. Thanks for joining us for the Fable 411. Today we're highlighting the city's traffic services, and they are responsible for managing safe and efficient traffic flow on our city streets. We're joined by Lee Jernigan, city traffic engineer, and Eric Vitale, transportation planner. Uh, Lee, let's start with you, and if you could just give us an overview of what the traffic services division does. All right, good. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, we are a very diverse group. Uh, we include, uh, we provide a variety of tasks to the community. That include traffic control and traffic engineering services, uh, maintenance of traffic signs, pavement markings, traffic signals, and we also are tasked with the daily operation of our citywide computerized traffic signal system. We provide temporary traffic control for special events of which we've not had any based on our recent events. We also uh, support other departments with traffic engineering if they need it. We complete traffic studies and we administer several unique programs including downtown parking, the red light camera program, our thoroughfare street light program, as well as issue commercial driveway permits. Uh, We also investigate citizens' requests and conduct traffic studies, for example, to determine if traffic common devices are needed or on any of our roadways. Well, I guess we can start with the like the traffic signals. I guess you guys get a lot of questions about that. How many lights do you guys have across the city? And I, I know they have cameras on there as well because you can monitor it from your nerve center. Tell me a little bit about that as well. Absolutely. So we we um, or provide a uh, maintenance function on about 240 traffic signals throughout the city. It's unique in that the majority of them are actually owned by the North Carolina Department of Transportation. So we function as a contractor basically to them and we perform our daily maintenance and operation and repair if any are broken so that we can provide a higher level of service to our customers and the community. One unique thing about the city and North Carolina as a whole is we do have one of the largest uh, state departments of transportation in the country. So the majority of roadways, your main roadways within the city are actually owned by NCDOT and uh, city roadways are typically our residential roadways or local roadways. So uh, as it relates to traffic signals, we provide maintenance operations for NCDOT and are reimbursed for that. And uh, I know another part of uh, your division is um, parking. So we've been going back and forth with this parking for the last couple of years now, um, and it's been delayed uh, due, uh, due to COVID. So what can you tell us about the parking? Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, we were scheduled based on council's direction to revise our downtown parking operation to include a paid on-street component, and that was scheduled to begin April 1st of 2020. That decision was made prior, obviously, to COVID, and so that has impacted us in many ways, including the delay of that, that implementation of that part of the program. So right now, council has directed us to delay it until July the 1st of this year, of 2021. So we're looking forward. Uh, we have a lot of the infrastructure already installed. We're ready to go, um, you know, barring council's direction to proceed on July the 1st. And um, what is the rate that's going to be implemented on that? So right now, uh, the rate in our off-street lots and in our Franklin Street parking deck that continue to be uh, in place is $1 an hour and $5 a day maximum. 
that's in our off street lots and in, a, in the Franklin Street parking deck. As well as in the Franklin Street parking deck, the first hour's free. So if someone needs to make a quick trip downtown, run in, grab a cup of coffee, do some quick business, the first hour in the Franklin Street deck is free. Beyond that, it's the $1 an hour, $5 a day max. Once uh, on street paid is implemented, uh, currently on the schedule of July the 1st, it will also be a $1 per hour charge and you will be allowed to pay 50 cents for the for 30 minutes in the first hour only. So beyond that, it'll be a, a $1 per hour fee with no maximum. Uh, our enforcement hours will be Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. The in intent for charging at on-street parking is to increase turnover and to allow uh, folks that are frequenting the downtown businesses to turn that parking over on street such that it, you know, it, it really creates an environment that uh, folks have ample and convenient parking. Because I, I remember before COVID hit just how busy it was downtown, uh, trying to find a parking was uh, challenging, especially on game nights when a lot of people come in early and want to go catch a game and then park on a street instead of parking in a lot. Um, and that could cause a lot of headaches uh, for the local downtown businesses as well. That's that's great point, Gavin. Uh, it, the intent is for, like I say, our own street parking is the most convenient, so it's the highest in demand. Let's keep it turning over. And if you if you've got if you, if you're coming downtown to stay all evening, you know we'd encourage you to park in the off street lots. It may be just a little further away, but you you know it's it's cheaper and um, you have the maximum amount, and you're not billed every hour. Now I I know you guys also manage the the red light program with the vendor. Tell me a little bit about that program. Yeah, we began the red light camera program at Council's direction in 2015, and we expanded in 2017, and currently we are at 14 cameras, and those cameras exist at 12 different intersections throughout the city. Now, as we mentioned earlier, there's about 240 traffic signals in the city, and we have red light cameras at 12 of them. So obviously we're not enforcing uh, the majority of those, but we use it uh, as an educational component to emphasize the, the safety issue that's associated with red light running crashes. And typically if a crash occurs from a red light running incident, it's very severe or fatal. So we're trying to limit those. And I know that uh, your department not only makes sure that our roads are safe, but you're also working on proje projects that help improve the safety for pedestrians and bicyclists. Um, talk a little bit about the, about the projects that have been completed or are nearing completion. One one thing um, that is really a point of emphasis for council is pedestrian and, and bicycle safety is more so than historically has been focused on cars. So we're we're looking more of a multimodal aspect, and and we're trying to implement some infrastructure that will improve that. Recently, uh, we were successful in completing three projects for sidewalk. One was along B Street, and it's it's ninety nine percent finished. It'll be complete shortly. And that's between Person Street and Grove Street. Uh, another one in the western side of our city along 71st School Road was from Rayford Road to our Autumn Care Facility that basically filled in a gap near 71st High School. The last one that was just recently completed was along Trainer Drive. And again, it completed a, a gap of sidewalk that tied into Ashley Elementary School, if the community is familiar with that location. So those are three exciting projects we just recently completed, and we look forward to pursuing some additional ones next year. 
But I know that you have also, um, in certain areas around town, there's been new pedestrian um, lights put up and crosswalks. Talk about those just a little bit. You know, uh, we really have a good relationship, again, with our partners at NCDOT, and we collaborate with them so that if they're doing any kind of improvement project, one that's going to be upcoming in the, in the near future will be along Rayford Road. We request they install that infrastructure when those big projects are built. Uh, in addition to that, in our city's capital improvement program, we normally do one to two traffic signals per year that are city-owned. Our most recent one was along Village Drive at Purdue Drive, and we're as soon as the weather warms up enough for us to finish installing some pavement markings, we'll be completing that one. And that included um, pedestrian traffic signals with uh, revised wheelchair ramps, crosswalks, so uh, the one prior to that was uh, along Village Drive at Fordham Drive. So those are two exciting projects we completed to improve the accessibility for pedestrians in the city. Now, what is it in multi-use lanes? Uh, I, I've, I've seen that term used a little bit, but could you help clarify some of that for me? Yeah, multi-use lane is basically uh, an edge line along a roadway that was previously unmarked. So what that means is uh, you have a 28 to 40 foot wide residential street with no pavement markings on it. And actually there's no delineated area for traffic compared to pedestrians. So what the multi-use line does is put that edge line there and delineates a 45 foot area that the car should not be traveling in. So that provides again a segregated area if you want to walk, bike, uh, park, there's no prohibition to that. It just it separates the uh, the vehicular traffic from the pedestrian and bike traffic, and it also generally can provide a traffic calming effect too, and, and slow vehicle speeds to some degree. And where are these uh, MU lanes usually placed at? We place them on any street that we can. <laughs> and basically, what I mean by that is, is street width is what dictates whether or not there's enough asphalt there to provide ample lanes for for cars which are typically 10 to 11 to 12 foot wide and then uh, normally our our multi-use lane is four to five feet wide so obviously you know you need a 28 to 30 foot minimum width to be able to accommodate all that uh, and we we really emphasize in putting them in as a part of our resurfacing program and council uh, budgets typically us some additional funds that we supplement with that and we add uh, lines in addition to the resurfacing program to build more of the network within a community. Now, Eric, um, as the transportation planner, you help facilitate um, bike and pedestrian projects around the city. And when we spoke earlier, you mentioned another project that will help improve uh, the outdoor trail experience for bikers and pedestrians. Talk about that. Yeah, and um, you're, you're talking about the East Coast Greenway. It's basically a 3,000-mile walking and biking trail that stretches from Maine all the way to Florida. And the goal right now, it's part off-road and part on-road. It's a bunch of tra- there's a bunch of trails uh, that are involved with it, and uh, there's other roads that connect, but their goal was to make it completely off-road so you can not have to interact with a single vehicle from Maine all the way to Florida. And I think a lot of that trail now is um, actually the Cape Fear River Trail is part of that greenway. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, we're working on adding more as part of the East Coast Greenway. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cape Fear Connector Trail that was just recently 
constructed. We're, we're trying to get that designated as part of the East Coast Greenway. And are there other projects that you're working on around town? Yeah, we um, currently, Sherry, have some sidewalk projects scheduled to begin construction this summer. Uh, those will be along Ramsey Street, up near Andrews Road, along Hope Mills Road, down near the southern city limit with us and our sister city, Hope Mills, and along Rose Hill Road, and we've had a lot of interest in that area, and that'll basically be between Country Club Drive, where the food line is, northward to um, Stacy Weaver. I'm excited to hear about all these different, whether we're talking about uh, sidewalks coming in, uh, or we're talking about uh, expanding uh, the multi-use lane so that it's pedestrian, bicycle, uh, residential friendly, um, and these greenways. Because I, I know when the Kafer River Trail opened up that a lot of citizens were really excited to be able to have this opportunity to get some exercise in, to go hiking, go walking. But I know it's been a, um, a concern of citizens and the city of Fable in general for years now to expand pedestrian opportunities within our community to make it safe for every person to, to be able to get around town. So it's exciting to hear a lot of these projects moving forward and, and making progress. And yes, Sherry, I apologize. I misspoke on the Rose Hill Road sidewalk. It is from Country Club Drive to Shaw Road, not Stacy Weaver. And and yes, Gavin, it it is exciting. I mean, the whole transportation network has shifted from a perspective years ago of just totally focusing on a vehicle. And we're looking now to accommodate all modes to include bikes, peds, transit. Um, you know, so that that's a that's a culture shift that sometimes takes time to to realize. But we're excited to to see it. Uh, a, a new phase of the Cape Fear River Trail will be completed in the in the relatively near future, and that's under the railroad trestle, and that'll, that'll actually provide a direct link so that folks don't have to, you know, they can traverse the trail from one end to the other without having to stop and drive around. So, I mean, it's exciting things happening. And a lot of things are going on. And Lee and Eric, I want to thank you both for coming on and sharing all the exciting news and updates with our listeners on what's happening in Fable and with traffic services. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Well, this is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Fable 411. The Fable 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fable, as we provide timely and informative updates every week on a variety of topics related to the city of Fable. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fable on Apple iTunes, the iTunes podcast app, as well as the Google Play Music podcast portal. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fable has to offer by downloading the Fay TV streaming app available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can view all of our video content by visiting fayetv.net. To get information about city services, go to our webpage at fayettevillenc.gov. Thanks for joining us.